and welcome to another episode of Cinema Oblivio, your podcast for discussions on weird old movies and such. As per usual, I am your host, James Eldred. And what um, fake PhD do I have with me today? This is a, how do you know I don't have a real PhD? I I was just going to say that. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, go ahead. No. Uh, Yeah, this is Dr. Sparkle of Crontendo fame. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Sparkle, for returning once more. Is this your third time on here or set? Well, I know. I think it's just seeds, right? Maybe, yeah. Oh, yeah, because I, I, we, 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 we've done other podcasts of the of the Prog podcast. That's right, right. I, That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I did that All a couple right. times. May, may Alexander's Ragtime Band rest in peace. But, yeah. uh, yes, but yeah, this is the first time. It's been a, it's a long time no see. Thanks for coming back. I appreciate it. Well, technically, uh, we're not seeing each other at the moment. You we're know, just hearing voices. You know how people love semantics. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry. But anyway, you're back today to talk about uh, Mario Baba's Bay of Blood. Yes, uh, one of the many, many names that this movie goes by. Yes, and we'll talk about that many, those many, many names of this one movie in a minute. But first, have you seen any other movies lately you want to bring up, talk about? Oh, good, good question. I, I'm mostly watching just kind of like stupid stuff. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited that they are releasing the films of. French filmmaker Jean Roland on uh, in uh, on 4K actually, which uh, he's a. Uh, um, are you familiar with him at all? Did he do Beauty and the Beast? No, no. You're thinking of Jean Cocteau. That's the wrong Jean. Right. So yeah, uh, another French guy made <laughs> sleazy vampire movies mostly. Oh um, yeah, from... he did Fascination, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, I mean. I think the whole deal with with him was the producers would give him money as long as there was like tits and ass in the movies, and other than that, they didn't care. Mm-hmm. So he could pretty much make any weird movie he wanted to. I mean, they're all like really nicely shot. I mean, these are incredibly low budget movies. Yeah, but they have like a weird sort of, um, I guess, kind of surreal feel to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm also still working on my. Um, uh, well, what's it? I'll tell you, getting getting old as hell is like you just start forgetting things. It, the incredibly, it really is. the incredibly strange creatures guy. Um, oh, I don't know his name. Yeah, Steckler. Yeah, Ray Dennis Steckler. There you go. Yeah, they, okay. I just, they just released like every movie he ever made. So I'm working my way through that. Oh wow! Yeah, that, that, that's that and, big box set, right? Yeah, I mean, he didn't really make that many movies. Um, uh-huh. I mean, he made a few. He he was a definitely a um, very very low budget guy. Mm-hmm. And just sort of, I guess, kind of made movies sort of when and where he could. Um, so he had made a number of movies in the 60s, 70s, a few in the 80s. And uh, he also, I guess, made some money just by making like really cheap porn movies as well. Hey, you know, got to eat. That's true. So, Did John Wall ever do straight up porn? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I thought so. Yeah. He actually made quite a few of those movies. Um, I mean, no one really seems to. Some of them might be lost, but okay. I, I think they're just considered to be pretty much generic porn movies that were done purely for the cash. Okay. I kind of get him mixed up with uh, Radley Metzger, I think, oh. also, who did who did both regular movies and porn. That's right, yeah. And he, yeah, um, yeah. I, he did, did he do Opening of Misty Beethoven? Yes, he did, which is, That's I, right. I own yeah. that film. <laughs> 
Yeah, I've I've actually never seen it, but that's not really kind of like my my wheelhouse. It's I was just curious to see I I like I'm not big into like I mean I'm not big into vintage straight porn, go figure. But um mm-hmm. I was interested to, just to watch a porno that had a real plot. Mm-hmm. And it's a well-made film. And I've seen that and I've seen the image. Alright. Oh yeah. And those are like real movies, especially Misty Beethoven's funny. Um and not gross and like as pornography goes it's it's totally watchable yeah um, yeah there was that kind of like sort of like era of like kind of high-end pornography yeah porn um, chic yeah yeah there you go the whole porn chic thing exactly yeah. and but but john will when i have seen i was looking at his filmography i have seen i think two of his films i've seen grapes of death okay uh that's the zombie wine movie right yep, yep. Uh, yes that's pretty good and i saw zombie lake which <laughs> well, <laughs> is probably the yeah. worst Nazi zombie film I've seen, and I've seen a few of them. Uh, what about worse. Uh, Oasis of the Zombies? I haven't seen that one, but Zombie Lake is worse than the one of Peter Cushing. Oh, Shockwaves? Yeah, Shockwaves. Okay. Uh, which is also terrible. And he was like, Cushing. like, Cushing was like really old in that movie, as I recall. He made it the same year he made Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> either immediately before or immediately after which is hilarious um, mm-hmm. but yeah so i know john will is is a fascination good uh yeah i mean i guess there's a series of image yeah of the lady with the um the, the, uh, the scythe the scythe yeah there you go and um yeah i mean a lot of them are just kind of like just sort of slightly weird surreal vampire horror movies with n- naked vampires in them Naked female vampires. Yeah. Yeah, nothing from there, media, no, but Well, yeah, I guess there is some some male nudity in, in a few of his movies, probably. Probably not directed with, with the same uh, focus, though. P- perhaps not. No, I don't think so. Uh, sign me up. If you, if you, I have never seen a vintage 70s gay vampire film with the that, about men <laughs> that has <laughs> the same focus that vintage 70s lesbian vampire films have. Mm. Um, you, know, you know, as is life. Uh, I haven't been watching a lot of horror lately. I've mostly been watching. I got the In Line of Duty box set from Eighty Eight Films, which is the um, Hong Kong action movies. Right, um, and that was with um, um, what's her face? Michelle Michelle Yeoh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the I first. Think two, I know. I've seen at least the first one. The first one is this. Yes, madam, and it's and that also has Cynthia Rothrock, and it's right. funny because. That's like that movie gets like so much hype, and I watched it and it was pretty horrible. Oh, um, the ending is amazing. The ending fight scene just goes on and on and on, and that's great. But it has terrible Hong Kong screwball comedy in it. Hmm. The the tone is all over the place. Uh, it's really sexist, as a lot of the movies are. Well, I just didn't like it. That, but that's pretty par for the course when you're looking at those kind of like action comedy movies of of that era. Yes. But the rest of them, I've only I've seen the second one, Magnificent, not Warriors, Magnificent something, and the in part three. In part three, does not have Michelle Yeoh. It has a uh, somebody somebody they named Cynthia Khan. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the second one is Magnificent, no Royal Warriors, not Magnificent Warriors ah, movie. Right, Royal Warriors. That movie kicked ass. Hmm. Um, and is a much better about the tone and 
it's about that's about um terrorists from Japan. Couple a Japanese detective teams up with her to fight these terrorists, and it is insanely brutally violent, just over the top mm. violent, and a lot less. There's a little bit of comedy in it, but a lot less. And then part three, that has Cynthia Khan, and and uh, has um Hiroshi Fujioka, who I know from Ghost Warrior, the time traveling sam- samurai movie, um by Tra- by Charles Band, which is a good movie. Um, a good Charles Band think, movie? Yeah, it's Charles. It, it, he it's it's a it's an Empire Pixels movie. Yeah, yeah, he produced it. Um, it's it's by the it's the director never did anything else, but that's a pretty good for for a band movie. It's pretty good, and also Fujioka was a Kamen Rider, one of the first Kamen Riders. So there's that. Oh, yeah. Um, but that movie's great, and uh, the opening is in '80s Japan, and it's actually there's a big shootout in the building that one of my doctors is in. Like, <laughs> oh really? So that's kind of fun <laughs> to watch for me personally. It's like mm-hmm. I've been in that waiting room where everyone's being killed. Um. And it's very glamorous 80s and insanely brutal. Hmm. There's a, somebody in that movie is stabbed, set on, well, he has cancer, he is stabbed, he is set on fire, he is shot, and then he is run over by a car. Sounds like a rough day. Yeah, his body is covered in his own entrails. No. <laughs> that motherfucker is dead. No one has been dead more than that guy. So that's great. I recommend those. And I also been watching. I rewatched Hard Ticket to Hawaii, <laughs> oh. and because uh, I have a friend who hadn't seen it, because we watched a movie called Hell Squad, which is very much in the same in the same wheelhouse as Hard Ticket, but terrible. And that's by somebody named um, Kenneth Hartford, who didn't do anything. He did something called the Lucifer Complex, also with Keenan Wynn, and that movie was terrible. You can see the boom mic in it. Like it was very poorly made, and we also watched Doll Squad, which is what's his name? Um, um, now I'm blanking on names. Mickles, Ted, Ted Mickles, Ted, Ted, yeah, Mickles? Ted Michael, Michaels, Ted Mickles, whatever his name. Yeah, is. whatever. Yeah. The, his, the, the, and, the weird, the weird guy who lives in the castle. Exactly, and that was better, but it still wasn't good. And after showing my friend those, I was like, you have to watch a good one of these. So we watched Hard Ticket to Hawaii, which is a great movie. Um. Because Andy Sedaris was a genius. <laughs> Again, not made for me, but I thoroughly enjoy them. Mm. Uh, I want to. I want to rewatch the one of Pat Morita next. I think Do or Die. That's Pat Morita and Eric Estrada. That's the best one. But anyway, yeah, I don't uh, think I've I've seen that one. I mean, I like after the two blondes leave, they kind of go downhill, and they get um. I also forget her. Julie Julie Strain is that her name? Uh the, yeah, she was like kind of like a TNA actress. Yeah, well yeah, I mean she's in these movies, so yes. <laughs> uh but those aren't as good. Without the two blondes and hard ticket, it kind of goes downhill, I I I feel. Uh what what are their names? I want to shout shout them out. Yeah. Um Donna Spear. Donna without without Donna Spear, it's not as good. Um and she she bows out after I think like the third or fourth one. Because she's in Picasso Trigger and Savage Speech and Do or Die and a few other ones too, but yeah. Anyway, if you like TNA, those are like the Citizen Kane of TNA. <laughs> <laughs> did is he? Did he die? Yeah, he passed away a while ago. A um, while ago, okay. In 2007. Oh, okay. Uh, I have seen about half of his films. I do want to see all of them, and I want to see his 70s movies like Stacy 
and uh, seven. I'm curious, but those are a little harder to find. Uh, hmm. But yeah, Hard Ticket to Hawaii, Malibu Express, Picasso Trigger, Do or Die, and Savage Beach. I can vouch for all those. Those are good movies. Uh, well, they're good, good in quotes. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. They're they're low low budget entertaining movies. I did ask a friend. Like I, I show these to a lot of my friends, and most of my friends in Japan are women or gay, women mm-hmm. or gay. So they're not really the audience. But in America, I showed them to some of my friends, and I was like, "Does this do anything for you?" And they're like, they were all like, "I feel bad for saying it, but yes." <laughs> so. <laughs> So I guess, you know, there's something there. I, I wouldn't know. But anyway, uh, enough about sexploitation. Um, let's talk about hardcore gore with Bay of Blood. And I think we, we were both bouncing around a Baba film and we settled on this one. Is there any reason why you wanted to discuss Bay of, Bay of Blood in particular? Well, I mean, it's it's an interesting movie in Baba's career. It's kind of near the end of his career. Um, he made a few, like, three, four movies after this. And it's a movie that, as you know, did pretty well on drive-ins for a relatively long time. Yeah, we'll get there, yeah. It's it's a lot different than a lot. When people think of Baba, they sort of think of this sort of somewhat classier, like gothic style horror movies. Um, I mean, that's how he kind of, you know, made his name. And, And this is like just 180 degrees from that. And it's, I don't know, that is a it's a good movie. I mean, would you can I mean, I don't know, you you've seen it obviously. I, I like this movie quite a bit. I think it's well made. I think it's silly. Uh it doesn't <laughs> always make a ton of sense, but it's <laughs> no, no kidding. as 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 somebody who loves slasher films, I think mm-hmm. this if you're gonna call this a slasher, and I totally think you should, it's in the upper echelon just for looks alone. Yeah, that that is true. I mean, I think Baba actually uh, shot this himself, probably because of budgetary reasons. I mean, he was originally a cinematographer, mm-hmm. and I believe in this movie he both directed and did the cinematography simply because there was no money. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it, there's definitely some some pretty cool shots in this scene. Like there's one where like the uh, you're looking at the sun, and then it becomes like the guy's eye. Yeah. Which is a, and there's a, it looks nice. It doesn't make much sense, but it looks no. nice. Yeah, because the story for the film, if you haven't seen it, you know, I recommend watching it before you listen to this, although the story is nonsensical. But for, for what story there is, it's basically there's a bay, the titular bay, and people want this land. And things happen around that, and they're mostly bad. And there, <laughs> yeah. are, some te- and there are some dumb teenagers. Of course. Yes. Uh, but we haven't really talked about, but we're mentioning Bava. We're talking about Mario Bava. And as, as opposed to Lumberto. As opposed to Lumberto, who did Demons, right? Yes. Among yeah. other, actually, I mean, he actually, I think, had a pretty good career in yeah. like Italian television later on. Okay. But well, let's talk about Mario. So, Bava, not Mario. Um, it's I me, gonna, Mario yes. Bava. Yeah, it's a me, Mario Bava. <laughs> That's, that's probably funny. exactly how he said it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he had a thick Italian accent. I would imagine, yes. So you've probably, I've seen quite a few of his films, but I think you've definitely seen more. So tell the people about 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 this Mario. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, everybody. so I mean, I'm his father was actually um, a director back in the the silent days of Italian cinema. So wow, he kind I didn't of know that. grew up. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
just for people who aren't really familiar with Italian cinema, I mean, it was a big deal back in the the teens, like in the the night, you know, the early days of cinema. I mean, Italy was a major producer of film um, that was you know shown like all over the world back in the silent days because you didn't have to to dub them; you could just mm. do new new subtitles. So they're they're very easy to export. Um, once the World War, well, once Mussolini came along, he invested a lot of money in film production in Italy. And then, as World War II happened, as you can imagine, you know, a lot of Italy got destroyed, and their their entire um, film industry basically just went to hell. They made something like forty movies in 1945 or something like that. Yeah. And Baba had been um, like a cinematographer, special effects guy. He was just kind of like a, a guy who could kind of do anything, and he mm-hmm. has zillions and zillions of credits, and probably a lot of a lot of work he did was not credited. I mean, he would just come in and do like certain things, like people like technical problems. He would come in and fix them. Someone needed some special effects. He would come in and do it, and he did that for years and years. Um, among like some of the, the more well-known things is he worked like on the original Hercules movie, for example, mm-hmm. with um with what's his face, uh, Steve Reeves. Yeah, there you go. Um, so he did a lot of that kind of stuff for for many many years, and finally he became an actual director. Like around, I think his first movie, um, what nineteen sixty is when I think first one came out. Well, Black Sunday is the big one, right? But yeah, that, that was his directorial debut. Okay, yes. Uh, it says here that he also did directing d- direction work on the day the sky exploded, but it maybe isn't credited. Well, uh, yeah, he has. Yeah. Yeah, he has like a lot of non-credited stuff, okay. including this coming in and fixing movies and doing a little bit of directing. But yeah, officially, um, you know, Black Sunday is his like official directorial debut. Okay, I haven't seen that one. What Black Sunday? But I haven't seen Black Sunday. I've seen Black Sabbath, but I haven't seen Black Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it might you might consider that to be like maybe like his best movie, just like in terms of kind of like the the atmosphere. Um, the weirdness. I mean, it, it's a very, again, a very low budget Italian movie, but it was a huge hit in Italy. Um, you know, uh, AIP picked it up, I believe. Um, that has Barbara Steele. Yes, of course. And, uh, and there's like a, a lot of like the Baba cult kind of revolves around like his early, like black and white Gothic movies as compared to stuff like, um, you know, Bay of Blood okay. or the later stuff like, um, you know, uh, Baron Blood, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Bay on blood, blood, yeah, blood of blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he was. Um, and there's definitely like, I mean, I knew people who were kind of like into like the Bava cult, like you know, back in the '90s. I mean, he was like this. Um, you consider to be like this major figure in 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 horror movies for you know quite. I, mean, I, I guess he's people still know who he is, but I, I'm not really sure how many like horror fans nowadays are really into like old black and white Italian horror movies. Yeah, I don't know how many people think about his old black and white stuff because, to be honest, I haven't seen any of it. Mm-hmm. But I think Black Sabbath was—I mean, that's where the band got the name, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a great like anthology movie with Boris Karloff in it, and that movie's incredible and like genuinely creepy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Blood and Black Lace is like that's also kind of a slasher, and that's from like 1964. Yeah, so. In the the Italian film tradition, you know, there's that genre that they call the the giallo, or which just means yellow in yeah. 
in Italian. And the reason why is because there was like a line of uh, paperback books that had these, you know, uh, yellow covers. And for some reason, that's just what they started calling like these sort of early proto slasher movies. Um, probably the, I guess like the, what's considered to be the first Jalo was one that in English is called the girl who knew too much. Okay. And it's just kind of like a, like a murder mystery. Um, and then blood and black lace is kind of like where you get the whole kind of like black rain coated mysterious yeah. thing that goes around killing people. I mean, it, it does, it, it, like for example, with um, Bird with Crystal Plumage from Dario Gento, he he sort of took that exact same image and put it into that movie. Yeah, totally. And I think those movies and this movie too. We'll talk about that. This, I don't know. Maybe some disagreement. I think the major influences on on slashers, uh, especially maybe. this one, especially this one. Maybe. Um. Maybe. Yeah. But he also did other non-slasher work that was interesting, like uh, Planet of the Vampires mm-hmm. and um, Diabolique, which for some reason was on Mystery Science Theater, which is complete bullshit, <laughs> because James of Diabolique is an amazing movie. It's Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's goofy. It's very sort of 60s pop art. It's For me, it's everything that Barbarella wanted to be. Because mm. is boring for me. Uh, Diabolique's incredible and so much fun and it has that fan- fantastic music and because Morcone and it's just such a stylish fun movie I really like that I did not know he made the sequel to Dr. Goldfoot oh Dr. Goldfoot and like the girl bombs the girl bombs he did, yeah I've yes. seen Bikini Machine uh Dr. Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs has a very bad reputation. So <laughs> I have not watched. Hey, Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine is a good movie. Like, I, it's not great. It's the, it's, it's, I mean, it's called Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. You should know what you're getting into. But <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen many other Frankie Avalon films, um, but I enjoyed it. And it has that dope theme song by the Supremes. Um, so there's that, but Dr. Goldfoot and the girl bombs, like people seem to really hate that movie. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Vincent Price, Vincent, Vincent Price and Fabian and Frankie Avalon. What know. a cast. What a, what a, what a cast. So yeah. But you said this movie came pretty late in his career and he had some financial issues at this point. Yeah. So I think apparently he owed a lot of money in back taxes mm. and this movie was basically going to be sort of as, you know, you would take that money and then pay off his taxes. And he actually had, I guess, had to do it by a certain time. Like there's like a deadline, you know, just like, you know, April 14th, whatever our yeah, tax yeah. day is. So he was trying to get this done as quickly as possible. And okay. this movie was, was as you might know, shot, I think, in January. Yes. Yes. It's which is kind of terrifying of for the, yeah. the, you know, the people who have to run around naked and swim around in pools and stuff. Yes. But yes. It, it doesn't really look cold. Like when you look at the movie, it, it seems kind of springish, summerish, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also mostly at night, so you can hide a lot of the, the dead, the dead. Well, leaves that, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, so he was, he was deeply in debt and he guess his career like had its ups and downs. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, other than like the horror movies, I mean, he made like, I think two Westerns. Um, he made kind of like a, a weird little like anthology sex comedy kind of thing. Really? Called, I think, what was that called? Like uh, 
four times last four times night or something night? like that. Four times yeah, that night? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, it's pretty goofy. Um, right before this, he made a movie called Five Dolls for the August Moon. Yes. I believe. And Bay of Blood is basically not like a remake of that, but okay. it's it's the exact same idea. You put people in an isolated area, and then they start dying one by one. And that has uh, Edris Finet. Finet, however you say her name. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it has a pretty good cast. I mean, it might like maybe like more well-known actors than Bay of Blood. Okay. At least well-known, you know, outside of outside of Italy. Outside of us, also. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I recognize a few people in this movie because of other 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 Italian, you know, schlock and and giallo I've seen. But uh, in addition to Bava, has, you know, this movie has a lot of writers, which is I think hilarious because it, it makes no sense. <laughs> because it doesn't make any uh, sense. I the only one like we're looking into them. Uh, the only one I recognize, the only one whose work I recognized is uh, Dardando Sacchetti. Yeah, and he wrote Cat and Nine Tales. Right, and, and and that's why I think this movie was financed originally. Okay. Oh, he, they got. He, they got. They were able to get financing because of him. Well, originally, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dino De Laurentiis. Uh, he Dino De Laurentiis. was. Yes, yes. He was the first guy to to to. He's like the first producer on this. Oh wow! I didn't know that. So that's like the eighteenth film I've covered that he's involved with. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a busy guy. So yes, he I mean, was. I, I, yes. So it's kind of like the backstory. I mean, the whole the whole thing with the movie started out is, um, you know, the actress who plays the um, like the uh, the tarot lady, with or oh, the tarot lady Anna, yeah, uh, yeah Laura yeah. Betty, La- Laura Betty, yeah. So she was um, kind of like um, popular among like the Italian hipster crowd. She released like some jazz records. Um, she uh, fell in with uh, Pasolini. Okay, and they became. She appeared in a couple of his movies. Uh, she won some award for. Um, an appearance, I think, in in one of his movies, and in fact, even I think after he died, she became like the the, the person who like officially took over his archives and all that kind of stuff. So she had a very close relationship with Pasolini, and she met you know Baba and said, "Hey, I want to be in your one of your movies." Oh, okay. and um, they actually became pretty good friends, and the things started with like a kind of like a writing collaboration between those two. So they were coming up with ideas for this kind of movie, and. Around the same time, um, um, right after, uh, uh, which one is it? The Argento movie, um, Cat of Nine, Cat of Nine Tales. Cat of Nine Tales, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So basically, what happened is there was like an argument uh, between um, you know the writer and uh, I believe it was um, Argento's it was father. A, okay, yeah, yeah. That's there right, was something yeah, like. There was some kind of like weird credit dispute, money dispute. So basically, he broke up with Argento, and as soon as that happened, uh, Dino De Laurentiis, um, or Tias, I think his name is pronounced, said, "Hey, why don't you work for me?" <laughs> and and so, go ahead. And that's how it, that's how you got attached to the project because you know, uh, you know, uh, Cat of Nine Tails made some money in Italy, and then the big one, of course, was Bird with Crystal Plumage. That was like a huge hit. So oh, basically, yeah, he, he was going to he was going to make a um, a giallo essentially. Okay, that makes so he sense. hired the writer because Dino's big thing is always just, let's find those trends and jump on them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like most Italian cinema. 
Uh, exactly. So anyway, he got like- Baba. He got he got the guy who wrote you know um, Cat of Nine Tails. So he was he was pretty much set at that point. Yeah, and, and uh, Siketi has an interesting filmography because he ended up working with Baba and with both Bavas and with a uh, Fulci. And I like Fulci films, and I know you do too. Uh, and right. and but like, let's be real: the scripts are not Fulci strong. Those films strong point. <laughs> so. Like there's a lot of know, nonsense in in those a movies. A lot of nonsense, and like sometimes it works, like in the Beyond, because the Beyond kind of has like a dream logic to it. And I really actually think I actually think the Beyond is a legitimately good movie. And I, in my opinion, it doesn't need to make sense because it's hell, and it wouldn't make sense because it, it, that makes. But like the New York Ripper, I mean, it's it's a weird it's, movie. It's a thing, and he also made this guy also wrote Devilfish. Uh, which I think which I've, I've never seen. I think I've, it's it's a Jaws ripoff, and I think I've seen it. And he wrote both demons, and the both demons films make no sense. Well, I I love the demons movies. Oh, me too. They're great, but they make no sense. Like they're just set pieces for like gore. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess you could you could and say that. Dope as fuck. Eighties music. <laughs> like, uh, and then there are other other writers on here. Uh, the only one I really want to point out really quick is who's he's credited as Joseph McLee. His name is Giuseppe Zaccariello. And he was the producer. He's he also was the, the producer. He was the second producer. Right. So, I mean, I, I mentioned to you that this was like a cursed production. Yeah. But but, but so, this, this guy made a movie called, an ex, a porno called The Brazen Woman of Balzac. And I think that's funny. But anyway, go on. Okay. Go on. Go on. <laughs> Yeah, so so basically, what happened is, um, you know, so um, Cat of Nine Tails did well in Italy. You know, they hired Sacchetti. They started working on the script, um, and then when Cat of Nine Tails was released like overseas, it it flopped. Oh yeah. So at that point, Dino was out. It's like goodbye. So they lost their producer. <laughs> they they had a partial script, and eventually, of course. Um, Sacchetti himself also dropped out. Yeah. And they ended up getting another producer, the guy that you mentioned just a minute, minute ago, Giuseppe Zaccarillo. Yes. And so he was kind of like, and of course, I mean, the producer was the guy who who gives you the money. Mm-hmm. That's important. So they, ha- they had some money coming in again, and he actually just kind of disappeared at some point. Like he okay. didn't officially quit. He just, he just was like gone, apparently. Um. So they essentially had to finish the film very, very quickly and with with apparently no money. And in an interesting thing, like this movie was filmed twice. So in English a, and Italian. Yeah, they didn't. I mean, and it's I don't know. I, both are dubbed, right? Because are all Italian films dubbed back then? Like the all the audios put in later. T- typically, yeah. 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 Like that, that was like the, the standard Italian way of doing it. Kind of like, you know, um. I don't know. Uh, if you take a look at like any Italian movies, the the they just say like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then they they put in the actual dialogue later. But this one, like they filmed it twice in English and in, in an Italian. I'd never seen the Italian version. Uh, I if I would have known it was a different version and not just dubbed, I would have watched it this time. Uh, maybe I hear the I hear it's mostly the same. There's a little bit. There's a few different directors and choices, and the plot still makes no sense. So <laughs> yeah, this is no. not going to make sense in any language. It's not. Yes. Yes. It is. It is the opposite. Yeah. It is. It is not non. It's just, it's a, 
I wouldn't call it nonsense because there's a logic to it, but it's just so convoluted. For what it is, it's very convoluted, I think. Yeah, it, it's – I assume that the production problems had something to do with the fact that um, you know this movie is it, – it's – like, for example, at the end, you get like all these flashbacks explaining what happened, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, it, it's almost like the worst possible way to, because they have like just all, all this like mysterious killing go on and they kind of like sort of try to explain everything in like the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Yes. Very rushed. And also like even some of the music sounds rushed, like that music sounds like I Am Butterfly. Well, yeah. I, like the, like when they're in like the little cabin thing. Yeah. That part of it sounds like in the de Vida. And I, I the commentary track. I forgot who he was, but he 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 said that he he thought that meant that this meant that they liked the t- they used Inagata de Vida as a temp track, and then just changed it enough to not get sued. Well, that you know, that works. So you're probably listening to the the Tim Lucas I, commentary. He, he, I assume he wrote the he wrote a book about Bava, uh, which I own actually. Oh, who is it? It is Tim Tim Lucas. Yes, Tim. Yes, Tim Lucas. Yes, I was looking at, I was looking at my box to be sure, but yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and he, that book is probably the heaviest book I own. <laughs> I have a book like that. It's on like Hammer twenty films. pounds. I have a book like that on Hammer Films that I could use to kill to kill a vampire if I need to. <laughs> um, but also with with really quick with the with the production, um, you mentioned to me before that that you thought this was kind of cursed. Well, yeah. So a lot of problems well, actually, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a lot of the cast. I mean. Two of them committed suicide at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so that would be um, Luigi Pastelli. Yes, who plays Alberto and um, Claudio Camasso. Yeah, he actually has two two different names that he uses, oh, okay. uh, but yeah, that, that's the guy. So uh, I believe um, Claudio was uh, got into some drug related stuff, went to prison, and apparently killed himself in prison. And maybe some t- terrorism, like some far right, like it was kind of hard to, po- I don't really understand the politics of that era. So I don't want to mm-hmm. assign too much like political viewpoint to what, what he did, but some bad stuff happened and he maybe committed suicide in prison. Whenever I hear someone committed suicide in prison, that kind of raise a raise that kind of like, was it suicide to me? Cause I just don't trust cops. Um, and then yeah, Pastelli, who I recognize from, uh, the spaghetti westerns he did, and he's also in my one of my favorite gallows, which I've also covered here. Your vice is a locked room, and only I have the key. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of those guys worked in in various types of of gallows and that kind of stuff. And he was in some. Um, he was actually in the think some some relatively good stuff. Now that I think about it, you know, he was in um, four feet dollars more. Oh yeah, yeah, and um, death rides a horse, scorpion's tail, good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, machine gun McCain. <laughs> And he killed himself uh, uh, supposedly because of after his wife died. Yeah, yeah, that's what I that's what I read, which is also very yeah in in like the nineties, I think ninety six. Yeah, yeah. And um, the the busty German lady, uh, Bridget Skay or Bridget Sky, the Viking. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and she actually got in like I think a really bad car accident and like lost oh. the use of one of her legs. Oh Jesus! Yeah, and then um, the. Those you know, there's those scenes like with the teenagers. There's you yes. know the, the the busty blonde, and then like the other girl. Um, she apparently ended up going into porn, and um, apparently I think at some point she got into heroin and had again a lot of legal problems. Uh. So uh, it seems like about half the cast had personal disasters. 
after yeah. this movie, as well as like the various financial and and writing disasters simply caused by bringing having to bring in multiple screenwriters one after the other. It's kind of the opposite. This last my last episode, I covered them, and I, everybody who wasn't them lived forever. <laughs> Like, like James Arnaz lived into his 80s. Some people lived into the 90s. A lot of them had really successful careers either in Hollywood or outside of Hollywood or on Broadway. Like, it's, you read about them. Everyone's do. Everyone did great <laughs> for some reason. I said in that it was the opposite of the Conqueror. <laughs> right. Yeah, the cursed, the cursed John Wayne movie, or or like yeah, this movie. Ma- maybe, maybe. Maybe you know what I mean, though. But like, yeah, I mean, the, I guess when people look at like the actual numbers, I, apparently the number of people who like died of cancer when making The Conqueror is mm-hmm. like totally normal ex- number yes. of people who you would expect to die of cancer. Yeah, but it's still it so, couldn't. So have who knows? It couldn't yeah. have helped. Yeah. <laughs> um, this movie has a few like other other people in it. Of no, I think uh, Renata, the actress who plays Renata, that's Claudine Auger. And um Auger, yeah. Auger, um, I'm sorry. I'm really bad at and, and, I apologize. And now she, I guess, probably her main I guess if anyone's seen, you know, um uh Thunderball. Yeah. She played Domino in that. And I think after that, that kind of like at least briefly, she had a career of like playing in like the, the many, many Italian spy spooks that came out. Okay, yeah. Oh, oh. As you know, there were like approximately a hundred of those that came out in the sixties and oh, eventually a- of course it, it dried up, but Mm-hmm. So she yeah. did that, and I think she did um, some interesting stuff as well. She actually appeared in a couple of films by um, Cocteau, actually. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, and that's just kind of way I think things work in like European cinema. I mean, you can be like a great actress, and but you can also you know star in kind of shitty movies just to keep the the money coming in. You can be in the Testament of or- or- Orpheus, and right. you can be in Summertime Killer. Yeah, which is and um, two films he was in. Yeah, and uh, Leopold Tresta, uh, he was in a, a few Fellini movies. He was actually in Caligula and Godfather Part Two. Yeah, and he is in. I I recognized him from Cinema Paradiso. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And uh, yeah, he was. He's in quite a few major films like Godfather Part Two, Paradiso, uh, Don't Look Now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was like divor- the, the hotel guy or something in Don't I Look Now. So yeah, divorce Italian style. Mm-hmm. He's in um, Black Stallion, and oh yeah, apparently I haven't and, seen that movie since like it well, it was like eight or something. Me neither, but I liked it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to revisit that someday. And he's in Caligula, you know the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he, he he got around, and I know that. You mentioned before the actress who plays Anna, Laura Betty, was a she was a big deal in Italy. She was in La Dolce Vita, mm-hmm. and in nineteen hundred. Uh, oh yeah, I he really played, like she her. Played the, like Robert De Niro's girlfriend or something. I've never seen nineteen hundred. Uh, okay, it, it's it a long like, movie. Doesn't it have like doesn't it have like hardcore sex in it too? Um, I mean, it does have <laughs> Robert De Niro <laughs> completely nude. I don't recall any actual hardcore sex in it though. Okay. I thought there was I a guess, scene with him. I, th- I think De Niro's dong does make an appearance. <laughs> okay, and I think I think uh, Depard- you also get Depardieu dong. Oh, oh right, yeah, yeah. I think I think they're both nude for yes. some reason. I, I don't want to see draw Depardieu's dong anyway. Um, and uh, but she, I like her in this movie. She's one of my, like she doesn't have a lot of screen time. I, I I told my friend she gives me big drunk Susie Sue energy. Like <laughs> something about her. 
Like, I just expect her any moment to start saying, spellbound. Spell. Like, I don't know. Uh, I really like her. She seems like fun. Um, and there's a, I think maybe like the most famous person in this movie for, for Italians would probably be the actress who played the countess, right? Lisa right. Miranda. Yeah. Yeah. So she was actually had a, had a I mean, yeah, I think you, if you listen to the Tim Lucas um, commentary, he he pointed that out and she had like a long career and, and she was actually um, picked up by Paramount, like back in the 1930s. Mm. And she was the Italian Marlene Dietrich. So Interesting. basically, if if you kind of needed like if, if if Dietrich wasn't available, which often I'm sure she wasn't, um, you could kind of get her in to do kind of the same thing, just Italian instead of German. Um, she was in a couple movies from the the, the German director um, Maxwell Fools. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Uh, no, I'm she not. was in Laurent. I mean, and and these were like, and she, I mean, these were like, uh, you know, very well esteemed films. So she had a really good career and a long long career in Italian. So. The, the irony, of course, I guess like the, the joke or whatever you want to call it is, you know, she, the movie starts off with just her, you know, this would be kind of like the equivalent of like, you know, Meryl Streep gets killed in the first five minutes. I would watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of like, I think kind of like the surprise here is like, you have like this, you know, very well-known actress, probably, you know, for at least among people of a certain age, more well-known than any of the other actors. And of course she immediately dies. Yes. Yeah. So, and I've seen her before. She has a small role, I believe, in the 1970 version of Dorian Gray. Oh, okay. Which is, that has Herbert Lom in it. Not as Dorian Gray. Dorian Gray is Helmut Berger. Uh, and that's like the gayest version of Dorian Gray that you could make in the 1970. Um, it's, uh, it's something else. I recommend it. Uh but that's really, I think, the only cast members I really know from this film. Is is there anybody else you want to you want to shout out? Um, well, here here's the weird one: is uh, Nicoletta Elmi, okay, who and is the redheaded girl, the little, the little kid, girl? you know, there's like the two kids. Oh, the, yes, the two kids. Yes, who plays a very the important kids, role in the yeah. film. We'll get there. Uh, and um, so yeah, she uh had like kind of a little career playing like kind of creepy redheads. Um, she was in uh, Deep Red for Dario Argento. Oh, um, the little kid in that. Yeah, exactly. Same, same oh, kid. Oh fuck! I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Anytime you see like like a little creepy redhead girl in an Italian horror movie, it's her. Like basically. evil, evil Annie. <laughs> yeah, and and I I did not know this until I was like researching this. She plays the usher in in Demons, like the actual theater usher oh, comes around. Huh. I mean, completely unrecognizable. She, 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 yeah. she, yeah, she left the business, came back just for that. Well, Bob, maybe the, maybe the Baba connection. Could could be, yeah. Yeah. Huh, interesting. I didn't know that. Cool. So quite a few, like, Italian, like, hey, it's that guy. <laughs> yeah. People. <laughs> <laughs> But I think maybe we should move on and talk about the movie. We'll, co- we'll, co- we'll cover the release and the legacy after. But um, I think spoilers now. 
um, we're going to go pretty in depth here because there's a lot to say about this movie. <laughs> now, uh-huh. had you seen this movie prior to, to doing this? Oh, yeah. I've seen this movie at least three or four times. Okay. Yeah, I've seen it a number of times over the years. And honestly, every time I watch it, I cannot remember like who the killer was. Well, what, because what the motivation was, yeah. Well, well, true, yeah. But I mean, there's something about this. I mean, it, it seems like, as you point out, convoluted, and it it never really makes any sense to me, even when I'm watching it. Well, this movie it it, it, it is very convoluted because I counted. This movie has one, two, three, four, five, and and, and if you don't count the very ending. <laughs> Um, it has five killers and I think 13 victims. So there's a lot going on here and it makes this the flimsiest sense. So like, <laughs> yeah. it starts with the countess kind of, she's in a wheelchair. She's in a, in a nice Manson Villa thing. She is brutally murdered. And in kind of a twist after that, you see the killer's face. Immediately, yeah. Immediately. You, see, you see like the feet, then it pans up. Yeah. And then you see his face. And then he is immediately killed. <laughs> right. And then his body is taken away. And the thing that bugs me about this, not not to kind of be all peevish, but oh, I please mean, be. The, the, the way that she was killed, I mean, she's in a wheelchair, and yet like the rope is tied like up to like this high ceiling that, I mean, you think the police would look at that and say, no way did she kill herself. I mean, how, how the hell did she tie that rope? Practice. You look at it. You, 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 she was really good at lasso. You never know. Uh, she was determined. So, so yeah, she's killed. The killer's killed, and then it cuts to. And also, that's really interesting. Nine minutes, no dialogue. Yeah, that almost seemed kind of like a sort of faddish thing. I think, like in European cinema um, around that time, is to like start a movie with no dialogue. Uh, Jess Franco did a couple movies like that around the same time as well, where he had like just 10 minutes of kind of like, you know, stuff, atmosphere, you know, and then dialogue starts later. My favorite example of that is not Italian. It is American. It is a Bronson's mechanic. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Long, that whole opening sequence has no dialogue. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, I don't know if that's influenced by like trends in European movies or not. He's been a lot of time in, in, in Europe, making yeah, movies I, I wouldn't that, be surprised if it was that movie's great. Also, one day I want I want to cover some good seventies Bronson and not just you know Death Wish and shit. Um, and, yeah, it, it's a great movie, but but the ending is so funny. I mean, it's, it, the ending, well, yeah, it's, another, a, it's another, funny in a good way. Ending's great. Ending's great. Anyway, another movie with a great ending. So, yeah. So after the Countess is killed, we cut to um, Ventura exposition. And, yeah, transition to post. Post-coital, um, <laughs> Laura and uh, what's his name Vent- Ventura? Yeah. Um, Ventura is it? Is, it, is that Franco yeah, Ventura? Yeah, Ventura. I can't remember what his first name is, but his last name is definitely Ventura, just like yes. Jesse. And and they, and that lady like disappears for like ninety percent of the movie. Yes, and it, the movie already becomes confusing because they kind of it's kind of alluded to that they know what's going on. But they don't really come out and say it. But like he needs to get papers signed because he wants the land on yeah. the bay. Now that the countess is dead, the land is up for grabs. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna go do something with his dope snakeskin briefcase. 
Um, <laughs> that fucking and yeah, and it's it's kind of funny. You know, Marvia, uh, Mara, Bavia, uh, Maro, um, uh, Mario, Mario Bava likes to reuse props a lot. And there's a scene where like the lady is looking through like these little glass balls, and mm-hmm. and those same balls actually had appeared in like his prior movie as well. I thought like, I they got the like knocked down and like the, the little glass balls like went down the stairs and went into like a bathtub. Well, that house is amazing. Um, everything what, what his, his pad, his pad. Oh man. I want a hexagon bed. <laughs> I, this, and, every, that's the best thing about a lot of giallos. Like I watched, um, the night Evelyn came out of a grave a while ago and that's not a very fun, it's kind of boring movie, but it, the sets in that movie, just like it's all the best seventies and sixties trash, like all thrown in together with all the the most flared bo- bell bottoms and most flared collars in the world. And <laughs> like, if I had a time machine and could be, you know, a a, a thin man in his thirties, I would sign me up. <laughs> would love to look like that. And this movie too has that great look. Like the secretary is in all white and has a has a good mm-hmm. style and. All this, this like the teenagers, which we'll get to in a minute, they have their their ridiculous look. But <laughs> he takes off, and I feel like the movie is trying very hard to introduce as many kids as possible. Um, because you have those two, then it immediately cuts to, um, Simon biting a squid. Mm-hmm. But that's which, how you kill a squid, I guess. I didn't know that. And he's squid fishing in a bay, and. Around him is uh, Paolo, played by uh, Leopold Triste, and he's chasing insects. And they have kind of a uh, a debate, uh, duologue on the 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 toxicity of man and nature. <laughs> right, and, and I mean not to go too far, but um, the original title of this in Italian was the the ecology of murder. The ec- that's a great and, name. Because, of course, I mean, the whole concept of ecology was like very, was like a big thing at this point, of course. That's kind of like we started discussing, you know, yeah. like, you know, all that stuff. So so that was kind of like a very modish title. Okay. And so, and that, and I guess that there is kind of a theme in this movie, which is maybe it's sort of like, you know, nature sort of takes care of itself, which is kind of what happens in the end, you know. Yeah. All, well, any problems with the bay kind of get washed away. When on all the, you know, you could say the movie has kind of an environmental streak to it because the the all the killers' motivations are anti-environmental. Mm-hmm. They all want. Oh, sure, to yeah, develop, they're they're the bad guys. They want to develop it. They want to develop this land for some reason. Yes. Um, it cuts to then we get the the stupid teens, <laughs> which I just feel like the most tacked on. They they are there to be bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's to me the major influence on Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, po- possibly, possibly. Why do you say po- so? What, what's what's your view well, on that? I know what, what kind of I mean, in your head, but like, what's no, your no, view no, on on the influence here? One thing about Baba fans is there a lot of them are actually pretty fanatical, and mm-hmm. they believe that you know everything Baba did has been ripped off ad infinitum by you know Hollywood years later or something like that. Um, I don't know that. I mean. Here's the thing. I mean, Friday the 13th, you know, directed Sean Cunningham. That was very deliberately a knockoff of Halloween. Yes. And I don't know that there's really anything to exactly tie in um, this movie to 
to Friday the 13th. Um, I read something, some I think it was like years ago, when like they were doing some editing, and one of the editors says, hey, you know, this movie reminds me kind of of um, you know, Bay of Blood. Have you ever seen that? And the guy's like, no, and Cunningham was like, no, never, never heard of it. Um, which kind of makes sense in a way. It does make sense, but I would really wonder if Steve Miner had seen this. Because well, yeah. he directed that, Friday that were, the 13th Part 2 and Part 3. Yeah, and, so here's the thing, is in Part 2, there were actual deliberate homages to this yes, movie. Yes. And, and that was that was 100% like the whole like stabbing them because there yeah, there were like a, a couple Bava fans during the making of part two. Yes. And and there's a shot with the with the hatchet to the head, which is there's a very similar shot also in two or three. I always mix up two or three because they kind of they, they take place the same day, I think. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so definitely there are homages, at least like after the first movie. But yeah, the first movie, I, I'm as far as I can tell, I mean, no one was thinking of this movie when, when they were making Friday the 13th part. And also, you know, Cunningham wasn't really like a horror guy. I mean, if you think yeah. about it, he produced, you know, last house on the left and then he made a bunch of comedies. Yeah. And then he's like, that's not panning out. I guess we'll have to make another stupid horror movie. I'll make new kids. <laughs> yeah. I love, but, I um, love new kids. Have you ever seen um, new kids? I've never seen that, but um, there's also what the, the baseball one. Baseball? Uh, is it a horror did, movie? Didn't he, did he do kind of? Didn't he do kind of like a ripoff of um, Bad News Bears or something like that? Oh yeah, what did he? Yeah. Oh god. Uh, here come the tigers. That, yeah, that's something like that. Yeah. So he yeah, would. He I mean, he, he, he would make like porn movies. He would make kid movies, but he he never really. I guess. I guess maybe now he's embraced it, but yeah. he, he always wanted to get away from the horror genre. I I always recommend New Kids because for me that has Jane Spader and Lori Laughlin in it. And oh really. I always feel like New Kids is like one of the last Grindhouse films because hmm. it, the ending of New Kids is so fucked. The ending battle is so fucked. Oh, wait, fucked wait, hold up. on. I, I've seen that. that. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, James Spader is like the, the creepy uh, drug creepy, dealing. The creepy yeah, son dandy. That, that, yeah, that is a great movie. Yeah, and it has a scene where he's pouring lighter fluid on Lori Laughlin. Oh, and it, 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 that he went way too far for like a high school. Oh, kid. that movie's like that movie is vile, but I love it. It's uh, it is. Uh, and then there's like be, the 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 gas station with like the uh, sets it on the the gas pump or one on fire and yeah, it, it, yeah. it's just nuts. That's a fucked up movie. I recommend that mm -hmm. one. So mm -hmm. we there's it kind of goes back and forth between the dumb teens and Anna and Paolo. I think a lot of the Apollo scenes are mostly the setting up as a, as a red herring. You know, he kills bugs. He's, mm -hmm. he's not around yeah. during bad things. Yeah. yeah that I don't know. I, I, I never thought that he was the killer simply Me because neither. he just seemed just a little too spineless. Yeah. He's too meek, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and the teens, like I was watching this with a friend. I forget which, which one is drunk. Which one gets the ax in the face? <laughs> That was who is that, that was like the, the the mild not not like the guy who was getting on with the girl. It was the other one. Yes, but uh, I was watching this. With, I forgot that actor's name. But I was watching this with a friend. I have no idea. I wasn't with a, fr a friend who was black, and she saw that guy and she's like, she said, "Jesus Christ, he's white and his hair is nappier than mine has ever had been." <laughs> um, and that dude's hair is a tragedy. That dude's hair looks like Darth Vader's <laughs> helmet. Um, yeah, I don't really get like the whole thing of what's going on because like he has like this 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 German chick, yeah, who's <laughs> who they call a Viking, like the Viking, uh, yeah. They really, and, and they as really you might know, she was a singer. She's a bit of a singer, yeah. 
I think you mentioned that. And she actually had a, a song called um, uh, Ixo Sexy Bin, which is like, I, I am so sexy. Is that <laughs> so, Bridget yeah, Skye? Yeah, yeah. Bridget yeah. Skye, Bridget Skye, I'm not sure how her name is pronounced. But um, yeah, and that's kind of like, if you, if you look at Baba's movies, I mean, you almost never see any nudity in them. This one you do. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's what kind of makes it, I mean, uh, again, I... It, he may have been thinking purely of like box office dollars when making this thing. Yeah. Because see, even when she also, that woman has the, you know, she, she was in a movie called excuse me, Padre, are you horny? So I think that was her wheelhouse in this movie. Even when she's wearing clothes, she's barely wearing them. Like that right. dress is way <laughs> too like high. The, I mean, yeah, like it, like it, it barely goes down to her butt. And then she's the poor girl who had to get naked and get in that bay in the winter. And mm-hmm. according to the commentary track, she just got drunk on vodka and jumped in. Mm. And of course, all those effects were done by the E.T. guy, Rimb- um, Rimbaldi. The E.T. guy? Yeah, the guy did the special effects for for E.T. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, Carlo Rimbaldi, I believe. Okay, I believe you, yeah. Uh, special effects. Yeah, look at that, E.T., huh? <laughs> mm. Yeah, so he, he was mostly known, I guess, in the '80s as the the guy who designed and worked, you know, the ET puppet and all that stuff. That's hilarious. He only really has like one English credit, and it's fucking ET. Well, it, it's not a bad credit to have, I guess. I mean, he did Flesh for Frankenstein, um, a bunch of Gallo, and ET. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess did he retire? And, um, yeah, no, he made. I mean, he did a lot of stuff. He he was like did special effects on a lot of movies, and yeah, you know, a lot of like. Um, uh, oh no, he did. He did, he also did Close Encounters, Alien, Dune, Neverending Story, oh, okay. Conan. Yeah, that's on the visual effects. On the special effects, he did so different credits: Cat's mm-hmm. Eye, um, <laughs> King Kong Lives. <laughs> oh well, I, yeah. Oh well, yeah. I guess maybe he worked with uh, Laurentinus at some point again. I, I, I guess so. Yes, but. Um, so she she is swimming and she finds the dead body of the the count because the count's missing. No one no one found that body, and that triggers a pretty quick massacre of all the teens. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not really sure why. I mean, obviously, maybe if I guess she found the body, but I mean, the body was going to be found eventually anyway, right? Hey, you know, I but we we wait we later find out that that killer is Simon, and. Simon doesn't strike me as the smartest guy. Yeah, but I just, just one thing about him is like there's nothing to really indicate that Simon is like a homicidal maniac mm-hmm. who just I mean like with right the you just know that Jason is just going to kill every kid he finds. But I mean, it never really made sense to me why he killed them because they weren't in his house; they because, were in Ventura's house. Yeah, yeah. Also, these kids just do some like hardcore breaking and entering. Yeah, I don't and know then, if that was like normal for Italian kids back then, but yeah, go, I mean, they, they let's all go just, fuck on a stranger's bed. <laughs> that's, that's crossing a line. Yes, it's crossing a line. Um, maybe he was just offended. I don't know. Um, well, we we, we know the, the real reason why is the movie, the movie needed a higher body count. Yeah, like that's the reason. You know, throw some um, kids in there. Throw some kids in there. Kill them, and then we. I think it's up in, up to this point. We still haven't met Albert and Renata. So, and they are the, she, she is the daughter yes. of the husband who killed the countess and was yeah. also killed himself. Yeah. She is the husband 
of the count of not I guess count I guess the um, count I, I don't know the, but the countess is not her mom right yes her, and yeah, they that, that want, was her second husband yeah and now she's he controls there, the rights she's there ostensibly to look for her dad but also she wants the land too yeah with her husband and, and they they're living go in a like a an RV with their their two neglected kids yes they leave the kids in the RV in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere. And they go to talk to people to look for the dad. They, they talk to um, Paolo. The bug guy. I'm sorry, what? They talk to the bug guy. They talk to the bug guy. And then they talk to the wife for a minute. And then they go talk to Simon. And you find out that Simon like took the body out of He, he <laughs> yeah. found the body. Oh, this is, dis- what? this is disgusting. So what's going on here? Yeah, so... Um, he just like fished him out of the um, the lake and then put him in the boat and covered him with an octopus. Yeah, a bunch of octop- octopi. Um, it's it's a really gross visual. <laughs> yeah, and I think that special effect was also by uh, Rimbaldi. Yeah, it's a good one, and understandably so. I think I think the daughter knew the dad was dead or wasn't too upset that he's dead, but seeing the dad like that, not a not a not how you want to see yeah. that. Um, sure. And so C freaks out. She runs to the house. And I think at this point, man, it just goes. Like, she goes to the house. Um, She finds that they, they leave her at Ventura's house. She finds all the dead bodies of the kids. Mm-hmm. Then Ventura shows up and tries to kill, tries to attack her with an axe. Mm-hmm. You don't really know why. Right. She stabs him in the leg. And then Paolo sees this, mm-hmm. I think, is what happens. He tries- Yeah, honestly, like, this, this whole section, it's like nothing makes any sense and I cannot follow or remember any of it. Yeah, I literally just watched this like, an, we, we, like we're an hour into our recording. I, I watched this like 75 minutes ago. <laughs> just to- mm-hmm. Just to get as and vote and it all it, down. It's just people running around for. I mean, because like the the, uh, the bug guy and the tarot lady. I mean, they, they spend like a lot of time outside running around for reasons I'm not really clear on. Yeah, they 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 do. They give it a reason, but I forgot what it is, and that's why Paulo sees what happens. He calls the. Mm-hmm. Po- he's gonna call the police. Albert they can't kills find him. their phone number. They can't find the police's phone number. Um. Albert kills Paolo. That's the so that's the first, and then somebody else kills Anna, and I think Renata killed Anna. Yes, so Paolo. So because they don't want they don't, they don't want any cops, and so and Anna is just fucking decapitated. Yeah, like with a great cut then to a a, a glass toy breaking, a ceramic toy breaking, with, with the kids in the house in in the trailer. Um, and then. Laura comes back. He's been gone the entire movie. <laughs> um, and finds Ventura. She he has her go get Simon, which is really bad because that's when Simon figures out that Laura and Ventura convinced the <laughs> Countess's husband to kill. She basically played a. Fe- you find out in right. flashbacks that yeah. she played a femme fatale to the count so he would kill the countess 
Right. And, and I mean, for those who haven't seen the movie, it's like this is where the flashbacks start coming like hot and heavy. And also has my favorite line in the movie where Laura and Ventura are trying to convince the countess to sell the land. She won't do it. And she says, you have to excuse me. I'm late for my nap. <laughs> Which I'm going to start using that <laughs> if I have to go home. I got to go. I'm late for my nap. I'm, I'm sorry. I got, I got a schedule. Um, and apparently there are two versions of that murder. There's one where he, she is deoculated. De- mm-hmm. And there's one. And, I don't know the, that one was ever like actually shown in theaters. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I don't think so. But they talk about it on the commentary, and you can kind of tell that more is going on than just a strangulation. Like in the way the angles are, and like the way his hands right. are moving. But he's just yeah. They were able her. to use the original shot because it didn't really show anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then immediately, and I, Albert kills Simon with a harpoon. Um. Then, then Ventura's not dead. Again, <laughs> he fights Ventura. And this seems interesting to me because uh, Venata says, Albert, look out. And then someone turns off the lights, but you don't know who. Mm-hmm. And is there an insinuation here that Renata's playing both sides? I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't I, think I, so. But again, I, I'm not sure. Because in my, in my opinion, she was going to hook up with whoever lived. Mm. Like, and. That would have been a good twist, I think, if it ends up, you know, oh no, I'm with Ventura the whole time. But it doesn't doesn't really matter because I before I mean, the what, final did she have much of a con- a connection to Ventura? Does anybody have a connection to anybody in this? Like, <laughs> I know I, I, I mean, can't. It, it, my my mind gets so hazy whenever I try to think of like logically what's happening in this movie. It's like my my brain just can't handle it because there's too much nonsense going on the entire time and. And my favorite, but like, and it, it's it's shown here that Vin, uh, Renata and Albert went there to kill people, like mm-hmm. that was the plan. And at first, when 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 Albert kills the bug guy, he's like, "I just killed someone." Oh, I listen to me. And then in the end, he's like, "She's like, after he killed Ventura, he's like, you're a changed man.' Like, yeah, I guess so. I'm I'm okay with the murder now." Um. It's yeah, this very, is obviously kind of the whole like Macbeth thing going on here. Maybe and like, oh, just you know, bad script writing. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But then, how does it like the end, the the final final part? <laughs> right. And this was actually the part that was, I guess, originally in the original original script. Okay. And so they kill everybody. They're gonna live murderly ever after, and then. What happens? Well, so they, they come back to the trailer where their kids have been like hanging out for the last two days or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> for themselves whip out a fly shotgun style. and kill them both. Yeah, the kids just suit the parents. Uh, and and so so here's the thing is um, I think the one of the original titles for the movie, like one of the very first ones was going to be like that will teach you to be bad. And that was going to be like the, the the kid's line originally. That would, the, that the original would... idea, I think, of the film was going to be how like the sins of the parents kind of like, you know, go on to the heads of the children. So all the murdering and whatnot and crime and whatnot and greed that they were doing have has now been transferred to the children. That was, I think, the original idea. 
and and there's no mo- the kids just shoot the shotgun because they think it's a toy, right? And yeah, they think in, that- in, yeah. In the final version, they 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 thought it was they were good at playing playing uh, dead essentially, and then they just run off. They just run off to go play in the woods. Um, yeah, nature. It, it makes nature finds a way. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the first time I saw this movie, like, you know, many, many years ago, and that ending, you know, when I saw the ending for the first time, I was like, what the hell? It's what? maybe my second. It could have ended it. How could they have made a worse ending on this? Or at least one that makes no sense. I, I enjoy it for the show. I, this is one movie I enjoy showing people just for that. Um, it's maybe my, sec- my second favorite bizarre twist ending in a gallow behind Phenomena. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that's a yeah, that's a good one as well. Because the monkey, um, <laughs> which always gets people. I love that part. Uh, but like, you're bad mouthing this a lot, and I'm bad mouthing it a lot. Like, I want to reiterate. We, I think we both like this movie. <laughs> we we like it with I like it with reservations. <laughs> I like it because it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of respect it. I I I respect like. This was a movie obviously made to make money. And like when you, when the teenagers show up, the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, they'll this they're just fodder. Mm. And I, I kind of respect the brazenness of it and just the the deliberateness of the exploitation, maybe. I guess is a good way to put it. I like it's it's silly and it almost has too much story. Yeah. Too much story, too many flashbacks, not enough knowing what the hell is going on most of the time. Yeah, and it's 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 too complicated so it comes back around and it's being nonsense. But mm. there's a style to it. It looks good. Um, I love the fake I Am Butterfly music. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of things about it, like, I really enjoy it. And I'm just a sucker. And it's not boring, which is the most important thing. You know, it's it's 84 minutes long. It gives you, it gives you, it gives you, it, it, it gives you what you came for. Mm-hmm. And, and you can bounce De- dead out. Teenagers, dead teenagers. Dead TNA. De- yes. And some TNA. And that's it. But did this movie do okay in England? How does we do it in, in Italy? Did it do okay? So, um, so how, how, how this worked is that the movie was finished. You know, they had done both an English and uh, Italian version. The original release name of this was going to be, um, well, actually the, the shooting name was, um, the Bay of Silver. Okay. And the interesting thing about that, of course, silver in Italian is Argento. Mm. And it was maybe thought that this movie was kind of poking fun in Argento. Like okay. maybe that was one of the original ideas because it almost seems like a parody of an Argento movie in which you have like a killer running around, all these people getting chopped up um, and not really like a whole lot of character development. Mm. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but some people have definitely read this as kind of like a parody of the rather sleazy movies that Argento was making at that time. I could, I could see it, but did, did, did Italian audiences like it? Like, did it do okay in Italy? Um, no, no. no. So, <laughs> So it went through like a bunch of names and it was, um, let me think for a second. One of them was, um, the, the ecology of, of, ter- of murder, of course. The ecology uh, they, of crime? They released, um, well, delito means can be both crime or oh, murder. I think okay, it's often translated as murder. Okay. So, um, they, they put it out under that title. It played for a couple weeks and disappeared. So they thought, okay, we've got to come up with a better title. So the next time it was released in Italy, they came, it was using the name chain reaction. Okay. Which 
kind of makes sense because we have like sort of like a series of domino effects with this murder and then more murders and so on and so forth. Again, it it didn't do well at all. Mm -hmm. It was also sent, it played in um, like France and Spain and a couple other European countries. And the weird thing is, I believe the name Bay of Blood, which is what it's usually called nowadays, is based on the the original um, the original Spanish title. Oh, huh, interesting. Yeah, um, because it was never originally called that in the U.S. and it no. wasn't called that in Italy. Um, and I don't really know how the the forces sort of caused that to be the, the name everyone knows. Because when I was younger, this was called Twitch of the Death Nerve. Yeah, that's that's how that's, that's what people called it. And I think we had it at the video store on VHS as that. Um, right. In America, yes. that was what we called it. Now we call it Bay of Blood for some yes. reason. But the American release is fascinating to me because this came, this was made in 71. It came out in 72 in America under the name Carnage. Yes. And I'm going to read some um, newspaper. I found some vintage newspaper ads, mm-hmm. which are amazing. And the one for Carnage says, Carnage is a bloodbath. And like the the cover just has like the Pixar has like the guy with the with the axe in his head, yeah. And, um, says no one admitted under under sixteen years, and it says if your idea of horror is Frankenstein or Dracula, or if you are a Shirley Temple fan, Carnage is not for you. <laughs> but if sure you are interested in the horror of the seventies, which is filled with violence, brutality, and unbelievable shock, you can't afford to miss Mario Bava's Carnage. And another one has Psycho had shock. Straw Dogs had violence. The Godfather had brutality. But nothing has quite prepared you for the unbelievable horror of Mario Bava's Carnage. The second film rated V for violence. Right. Um, yeah, that was like Hallmark's thing was the um uh that what was that which movie? Um Mark of the Devil? Yeah, Buck of the Devil. Yeah, uh-huh. that that was the first movie related rated B for violence. Except it wasn't, and the MPAA sued them, <laughs> right? And they had to stop doing that. So I don't know how it did under that name. Uh, I do want to point out when I found these ads, they were in a, a newspaper in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. um, the Boston the Boston Globe, and in Boston in June of 1972, you could see Carnage. And Andy Milligan's The Rats Are Coming, The Werewolves Are Here on the same day. That would be um, pretty cool. An amazing time to be alive. So um, that movie did, didn't, I don't know how long it lasted in the theaters under that name. They pulled it, re-released it as Twitch of the Death Nerve, as you said. And, and that is probably one of the most genius names you could come up with for a movie like this without really saying, t- without telling audiences what exactly it's about. I mean, there's no such thing as a death nerve. No, <laughs> it probably doesn't twitch, <laughs> but when you put those words together, well, it's an evocative of the death nerve. It, it makes you want to see the movie. It's evocative. And yes. they paired this up with movies for years. This played mm-hmm. with Mark of the devil. Don't look in the basement. Last was on the left. The death master, as I never heard of, the night Evelyn came out of the grave, the blind dead, and other other stuff. Uh, up until like 76, 77. Like it made the rounds for a long time. And so I would have to imagine in that way it made money. 
Oh yeah, I'm sure. It may, a lot of times it's like on, on like the bottom end of the bill for all these drive the drive throughs. So yeah, it it, it had a, a long life. And one, I don't know if you were looking through like old posters or ads or stuff for this, but one of the things that they did was that this movie was so scary, so nerve wracking that it, before you could actually go in and like see it and sit in the auditorium, they had to warn you face to face as to just how terrifying this. So so you know. They're not going to take any responsibility if you literally die while watching the movie. And I don't know if that actually occurred in any theaters, but like the ads and stuff did the whole thing about there's going to be a final warning station. You you must consent to to watch this movie, you know, and we're not responsible. I love all that old stupid. Um, this movie will scare you to death stuff from that yeah. from that that time. It's it's so much fun. Um, or like the, w- there was one that came with like a I think it was I dis I dismember I dismember Mama mm-hmm. came with an upchuck bag. Oh, and actually, Carnage originally came up uh, ha- had those as well. Okay, yeah that that that, but, that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, in that way, it had a legacy. And then, like like we said, I, you know, there's a debate on its on its legacy as as its influence as a slasher. Uh, I would definitely call this in a very early slasher film, whether it it could be a situation mm-hmm. of like maybe it didn't influence other slashers directly or even indirectly, but it set the template before those did. Right. Kind of like how like a uh, rockets from the crypt or not rockets from the crypt. Um, what's that? That, 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 that? What's that? What's that Cleveland punk band? Oh, 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 hold on. Yeah. Now, now, now you're, you're sort of breaking my brain. Um, rocket from the, Tombs, <laughs> yeah. Why, why can tombs. I? Yeah, Rocket there you tombs. go. I, I, I assume that Rocket from the Crypt might be a unrelated. Were, uh, Rocket from the Crypt did it on a rope. Anyway, um, Rocket from the Tombs is a proto punk band, but they probably mm-hmm. did not influence anybody else. Is my point because they were yeah playing in little tiny dives in Cleveland. Yes, they were playing in tiny dives in Cleveland. So. Yeah, they were doing punk or like that band Death, that 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 all black. Um, the, the Afri- yeah, right. And, and no one no one heard of them until like 1995 or something. Yeah, they they maybe but they're, but they're ahead of their time. Yeah, ahead of that time. Same kind of thing. This might exist kind of like in a bubble of influence. Um, to to it's a proto slasher, but it might not have been a direct influence on the first wave of slashers. I don't know. You'd have to imagine though that John Carpenter saw this movie. Um. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. You no. Know, um. Or Toby Hooper, or or whatever. But like, those are very different films in this because like those have plots. <laughs> you know, Halloween. Yeah. Halloween is more of a play. I would say more of a, in my opinion, more of a play on Psycho. Even you know, like more. And well, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, one one thing about this movie is, I mean, the, aside from like the yeah, Psycho actually was an influence. Um, when they were writing the original script, because the whole you know thing with Psycho is you know the. The, the main character dies right away yeah. and there's like a, you know, a killer. And that was kind of like the whole idea is kind of like everyone was going to be the killer and anyone could die at any time. Yeah. That was one of the original concepts behind this. It's a great idea. Yes. Um, it unfortunately falls a little bit, you know, flat. So, you know, I think this might've been, I'm trying to think back other than seeing Diabolique on Mystery Science Theater, which again, was, was doesn't make any sense to me. This might be the first Baba film I've seen when I watched it, uh, and I still like it. And my experience of Baba is mostly um, 
like I said, uh, Black Sabbath, Blood and Black Lace, which I I, I like a lot, Lisa, and Lisa and the Devil, and Kill Debbie Kill. And, and, and that's a really we- weird movie. Which and one? One that, uh, Lisa and the Devil. Um, and because as you might know, that was kind of retrofitted into becoming a uh, exorcism, uh, an exorcist ripoff. Yeah, House of the Exorcist or something like that. I haven't seen yeah. that version. I saw Lisa and the Devil. Right. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the original. And basically, you know, uh, Baba took that to Cannes, mm-hmm. you know, which is, there's like a big film market there and no one, no one picked it up. Mm. And so that's part of the reason why it got bought up later by someone who kind of changed it into an exorcist cloned. Yeah. So that, yeah, that was a, that was a flop. I don't think shock did very well. So uh, he made a movie called um, rabid dogs, which Didn't never got released until years and years yeah. later. So yeah, this, this movie is kind of, uh, I think Baron blood did relatively well, but mm-hmm. For for the seventies, I mean, his movies were were not doing well in the theaters. So my my point is that if if somebody's listening to this and they they like it or they they, they find this movie and they find it interesting, um, what other Baba film would you recommend then? Hmm. Good question. I mean, there's not really another Baba film quite like this. I mean, I would say obviously like um, you know. Black Black Sunday, maybe his best movie. Okay, yeah, um, and, that, and other, I'm going, and I'm still trying to think of if I've seen that or not. I don't think I have. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It has like a really sort of shocking uh, beginning for for that particular time in which they um, kill Barbara Still back in the old you know uh, medieval days by hammering like a a metal mask onto her face. I which think I have you know, it's black that. and blind and then like a, sort of like a, all the squirt of like gore comes out like the eye holes and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I think I have seen that. I, but like if, if someone else, so if someone wants to watch Baba after seeing this, would you recommend that one then black Sunday? Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's not a slash movie. It's, it's black and white. Maybe for some kids, you know, that's, that's it's a deal today. breaker. I don't know. Um, I mean, barren blood is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa and the devil are interesting. Um, I, I blood would go and black lace, lace might be. Yeah, something. I would go blood and black lace because that's also a kind of a proto slasher. It's very stylish, super stylish. And I would just recommend black Sabbath to anybody who likes good movies <laughs> because black Sabbath is one of my favorite. Like it's maybe the best, it's, it's the best, one of the best anthology horror films I've seen. That's not amicus. Hmm. You know, and if you can find the original version, watch that one because like the, the the Blu-ray I have is censored and it changes. Oh, really? Different, well, there's there's two different versions of it, and they have there's there's three sort of stories: the telephone, the woodlock, and the drop of water. And some versions change the order, and they change the dub so the women in the telephone are not lesbians. Oh, okay. And that's the version I have, unfortunately. Um, hmm. It's still good. But like that's fucked. I I, I want to watch the original version. So you know, do you do your homework when you watch that? But but if you see the original, it's fine. I mean, because the best the best reason to watch that movie is the is the Boris Karloff part. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's great that, in that. That's uncensored and unchanged in any version. So that's fine. But I recommend that and Blood and Black Lace. And like I have said all multiple times, Danger Diabolique is a fantastic movie. Hmm. Well, yeah, exactly. it's definitely entertaining. It's it's pretty cool, and I guess that kind of got like a second life when the the Beastie Boys used it in one of their videos. Yeah, the Beastie Boys reference it heavily in the video for Body Moving. 
Um, mm-hmm. but this is a great song too. Um, so yeah, watch watch that stuff, and then like check out the other ones. Bob is an interesting guy, and his son made interesting films too. Um, even if they also don't always make a ton of sense. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that that's how it is with Italian horror in general. I'd say. Yeah, you know, logic's logic's overrated. It, it's more about atmosphere. It's it's a vibe piece. There you go. Yes. Anyway, so. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm just what what is there anything in particular that we haven't sort of covered on this movie that maybe we we need to say? I think we got it. <laughs> I don't know what else to really mention. I think you know, I it was it ta- was banned in England for for years. Oh yeah, it was a video nasty. Yep, and under under the name Bloodbath. Bloodbath. Yes. yes. This movie probably has the most titles of any movie I've covered. And I don't know if we mentioned this yet, but one of the movies, one of the titles it was released was um, under the name of Last House, Last House Part Two. <laughs> I love that. I love that brazen shit too. But uh, I do have to um, sparkle. I've been ranking the films I watch now, and so uh, I'm going to give you a list. Okay, here we go. Okay, so, so what number one is Sorcerer? Yes. <laughs> Um, so here's my list. As regular listeners know, I rank every film now I've watched, and I haven't ranked this one mm-hmm. yet. I'm trying to figure out where to place it on my list. I would say it's a good movie, so that means it's better than Natural Born Killers. Um, okay, well, not my, not hard to do. That's my cutoff because Natural Born Killers is I I that's Natural Born Killers is the most two and a half star film I've made. One of one of that like it has good and bad, and then after that you get like Coonskin, Never Gonna Die. Viva Knievel, like bad movies. Um, and uh, Firestarter, the, the the remake. That's the worst movie on it. That will always be the last movie, though. And you didn't you didn't like joysticks? No, I did not like joysticks. No, um, <laughs> not even a little bit. But this I like movie, the I I, I, don't know, I like the idea. You know, I don't know. It's it was fun. it's it's fun in practice. I would say this one. Hmm. This might go pretty dead middle though. Bottom 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 half for sure. Probably maybe ooh. Probably 53 so it means it's better it's not as good as Death Cheaters but better than Gone Seconds. Hmm, okay. I think cuz I don't want to say it's it's not better than the original Firestarter. It's not better than BMX Bandits. Uh Terrorvision you know, I like Ninja Three more than this. Hmm. Okay, that's just my opinion. You know. Hey, just wondering, when you were watching this movie, did it occur to you that this is basically the same thing as Seeds? Now you've ruined this film <laughs> because we have we have the mother, you know, in the wheelchair, <laughs> has the money. Um, same idea. There's like a you know a single location where the family all congregates in. Yes. People start getting killed. Women get killed in bodies of water or a bathtub. In that case, they couldn't afford a lake, I'm sure. Everyone in this movie is capable of murder, including me. Um, <laughs> God damn it, Sparkle. You Now you've ruined this film. Uh, but I mean, the, the ultimate source of this, of course, is Agatha Christie's and then there were none. Yeah, it's all the same stuff. Yeah. But it is yeah. funny. So yeah, you're right. It is very similar to Seeds and I put Seeds as 55. So this is 53. Seasons 55 and in between are gone in two seconds and James Brolin's thrashing, you know, classics of cinema. Uh, 
It's not as good as Runaway with uh, Tom Selleck. I mean, you know, you get into that issue of like, how do you compare two movies? <laughs> right. <laughs> this is just like what I enjoy watching. And mm-hmm. I like, let's, I'll be real. Yes. Bay of Blood is a better movie than American Ninja 2. <laughs> However, I would rather watch American Ninja 2. Because uh, okay. it's just it's up my alley all, and it has Steve James shirtless and you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sucker for that. So like it it is, you know, yeah, how am I going to say, yeah, Million Dollar Mermaid, that's better than Psycho 2. Or Psycho 3. <laughs> like you can't. It's just like my personal preference of what I like more. And gotcha. I have made changes to this list as I've made it, but this list is public. If if anybody goes to my 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 letterbox, you can find it. Cinema Oblivia ranked, as I said before, number one is Sorcerer, number seventy two, now seventy three is Firestarter, and there's a wide range of films in between. But I think that will do it for today. All um, right, Doctor Sparkle, where can they find you online? Uh, they can find me on Twitter under. Good question. What's my Twitter handle? I think it's just Crontendo. I think it's Crontendo, yeah. If you, if you type Crontendo, in Crontendo, yeah. you can find you. That's right, yeah. And of course, you can also find me on YouTube under Crontendo as well. Yes, Crontendo. If you like long, boring video game videos. I watch your video. I am like a year behind on Crontendo, but I do watch <laughs> uh, I'll watch them when I'm working out, so I'll watch like you know half an hour at a time and then come back to mm-hmm. it later. So someday I'll catch up. Um, oh yeah, and as always, whenever I do talk to you, I, I always tell you that I want to see more of your grindhouse stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. So there, I am. Yeah, I am working on the the rest of the Herschel Gordon Lewis uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis stuff. And for a while, I thought that YouTube had like blocked some of those videos, um, but they seem to be unblocked now, with the exception of the um, the complete um, full tree video. So everything seems to be there now. I don't know what kind of problems I have to I'm go having. So the the unblocked Fulci one's only on the Internet Archive, right? Oh uh, yeah, that's the only way to see that the Fulci one is on Archive. Yeah, and that that channel for you on YouTube though is Crontendo After Dark, uh, Doctor Sparkle After Dark, Doctor Sparkle After Dark. That's right. Okay, my, uh, my much neglected, yes, um, sort of horror cult. Channel. That is that is my like I have I have watched many of those videos multiple times. I tell everybody, like. Two channels I go to if I'm sick and I don't want to think, but watch good shit. <laughs> I mean, in a good way. Um, yeah. I wish well, I had the patience to do movie edit movies on YouTube still. I can't. I just can't. Mm. I hate editing. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, it's a pain. It's a pain in the ass. But anyway, uh, that'll do it for today. As always, you can find me on Everything is Lost Turntable. Um, and that'll do it for this week. I'll be back again in two weeks with another episode. Until then, take care.